Welcome to Resilience Rock Sales, your front row seat to rocking your sales game. I'm your host, Stacey Kopas. Today's episode is brought to you by the Academy of Resilience Inner Circle. For more information, head to academyofresilience.com.au. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Resilience Rock Sales. Today, I am lucky to be joined by wealth strategist Todd Polkey. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Stacey. Really privileged to be here. And I'm, yeah, I'm super excited. We're having a quick chat before about our mutual connections and it's, it's great because this is the first time we've had a conversation, which yeah. is, I always love that as well because the listeners are getting to know you at the same time that I'm getting to know you as well, which I think is a, is a gift for them. To get us kicked off, like, I'd just love you to share like a bit about the back of your background, a bit about the Todd story. It'd be awesome just to hear what's brought you to where you are today. Yeah, hundred percent. So um, look, I've been in the wealth and investing in education space around uh, almost 20 years now, but before I got into this world, um, I was a personal trainer and a very burnt out personal trainer. Let's call it that, right? You know, my day was starting at about 4am in the morning and I was one of those guys, I got up and ran those boot camps and I got people to make a thousand, do a thousand pushups and I had a great time and all, that was fun, right? And um, I'd go through to about eight o'clock at night training clients, but then, you know, running a small business, your day never stops just because the number of clients you have in the day stop. You know, you have marketing and admin and, and programs to write and people to take care of. And so my whole life was revolved around it's working 17, 18 hours a day and doing that six days a week and doing that 50 weeks of the year because my whole rule of success in life at that point in time was that the harder I work, the more successful I'll become. And so um, it was a really interesting experience because I, I literally broke myself when I was about 19. I broke my health, I broke my body, I broke my relationships, I broke my personal life. And even after working all those hours and all those weeks, I still wound up broke in terms of my bank account, which is the one area I thought was supposed to be working. And I got to the point of going, you know what? There's got to be a better way. You know, I love the name of your podcast, Re Resilience Rocks. Well, I was being really resilient, but I was being very resilient with the wrong strategy. And that's really big distinction, I think, in this terms of the space. And so I started uh, looking for other options because I realized, you know, there's got to be a better way to exchange time for money and working to pay the bills and wind up broke. It just wasn't making sense to me. And, and so I was looking at the people around me. I was looking at their quality of their lives and how they're living their life. And I just thought, you know what? That's not what I want. There's got to be a better way. And it's really started me on a journey of starting studying success and what makes a difference in people's lives, whether that's through business, whether that's through money and wealth, whether that's through relationships. And along this journey, I met a great mentor and I got involved in the investing world and, and I bought my first property when I was 20 years old, made more money in that one deal in the space of nine months in my entire year's income that I was earning at the time as a personal trainer. And after having that experience and learning that profits are better than wages, I just fell in love with the world of investing and I fell in love with the choices it can give people in life. And so since then, uh, you know, I've had the privilege to be able to travel around the, you know, different parts of the world, speaking, teaching, training, working with thousands of investors to help them build strategies and, and build portfolios of property and shares and cryptos and metals, business investments to be able to effect, effectively give them more choices that they want in their life. And so that's been what my world's been about the last 20 odd years. That's an awesome journey. And it's something that's quite common, isn't it? The, the burnt out personal trainer. 
um, is there's, there's a lot of people that you get into the space of personal development then leading into some kind of education and things like that that have got a background in being a personal trainer or some kind of solo person on the tools that's yeah. doing all of the work, like delivering, but also doing all of the work behind the scenes as well. So it's definitely a, a tough one. And I love that you you mentioned that you're definitely being resilient, but on the wrong strategy. And so that was really interesting to hear because there's a you know perception with resilience and things like that, that it's like, oh, it's just, you just keep going and you keep going. But to me, resilience is knowing which ones to get off or yeah, what, which ones to quit as well. So as far as that goes, what was your process then for, for seeking out a mentor? Did that just sort of happen organically as you were going and, you know, going to different events and doing things like that? Yeah, it's a really good question. And as you said, I think a lot of people fall into that trap of like, well, if I, I just got to keep working this, if I keep working hard, then everything is going to work out. But most of the time it just leaves out the burnout because in life, you know, we all have a limited amount of resources available to us in any moment, right? The limited amount of time in a single moment, limited amount of knowledge in a single moment, limited amount of financial resources, single moment, a limited amount of energy in a single moment. And it's the different decisions we make with those key resources we have, which is going to dictate the level of results we create in our life. And so one of our master arts of creating success in any area of life is that principle called leverage, right? And what I found along the way, as I started attending different events and, and you know, listening to CDs and audio books, you know, back then it was CDs and things like that. It wasn't podcasts. It wasn't really much of a thing back then and, um, or webinars and such. And one thing I always found, uh, which was very consistent at the time and one of my first mentors, when I was still committed to the personal training world, he taught me this one key principle. He taught me that do what you do best and outsource the rest, right? And that taught me a really powerful thing is that, you know what? I want to be resilient, but I want to be resilient and, and relentless at the things that I'm really good at, the things where my greatest sources of leverage actually are, which for me was what was turned out to be is all about speaking, teaching, training. That's my that's the key thing that I focus on. Then I just focus on building a team around me to kind of outsource everything else. And it's, and so this is what I'm rel relentless in and that I'm unwavering in, but everything else around me, I just make sure I have the right people and the right team members along to be able to support that overarching vision. Otherwise we're always going to be limited. Yeah. And that's totally, totally it. And because people just, it's, it's so many times we're like, oh, you got to strengthen your weaknesses. I'm like, no, that's a waste of time. It's bullshit. Like it doesn't work. <laughs> But if you talk about leverage, if you put the same amount of time into strengthening mm. the strengths, then the results are exponential when you approach it that way. And I like that you, you mentioned there about you setting up the team and to the purpose of this podcast, like we're looking at people that are, that are leaders in sales or aspiring leaders in sales. And so I'd love you to hear like from your experience, particularly setting up the business that you have now, obviously sales would have been a huge part of growing that business and, and it is every day, isn't it? It's continuing to grow the business. Sales is what keeps it going. What advice or what have you learned that you felt that it would be really useful, particularly by someone that was just moving into a sales role, particularly a leadership role of sales? What do you feel was the most helpful for you in order to be able to accelerate the sales? And as you said, with, with the outsourcing, what could that look like for somebody? 
do, do you know, mastery in any area is not just about what you do. It's what you let go of. And you touched on this before. And um, sometimes the things that we, we hold on to are the very things that we need to let go of, right? And which is going to give us our, our biggest leap forward in terms of our progress. You know, they talk about that kind of 80-20 rule. And when we can get clear on, I, I did this process, I did a time audit when I was starting this journey, right? And I did this entire time audit and I did like a strengths audit. And I did, I believe that everyone has a genius. And when we can double down or triple down in our genius, that's where our greatest source of leverage is going to be. And I'm a nutter at personality profiling as well. And so what really happened is that I actually started to know myself. I got to know myself at a bigger level rather than sitting there with the ego had at the time as a young 20 something thinking that I can do anything, be anything, create everything and take over the world. And I'm unstoppable. Um, after having that, you know, and then having experience of breaking myself and realize, well, maybe I'm not as unstoppable as what I thought I was. Um, what I really started to do was I got to know myself. And when I got to know myself, what began to, I began to understand is what are the two to three things that I'm really good at? Not just okay at, I'm talking exceptional at. What are those couple of things that I'm exceptional at? What are the things which um, I find exhausting and that take, um, take energy away from me? And it takes me a long time. I don't enjoy it. I procrastinate on it. And so I actually started going through like um, the late Stephen Covey had the quadrant, right? Like the urgent and important, the important but not urgent, the not important but urgent, and then the not urgent, not important. And that little tool right there was a game changer for me. Because when I began to go, let's brain dump everything I'm doing on a consistent basis. And, you know, I've got a huge background in sales. That's what I was doing for a long period of time, right? So, and you think about in sales, well, it's not just meeting customers. It's also the follow-up. It's also the, the fielding inquiries. It's the administration associated to it. It's the logistics side of it. It's the recording. It's the fulfillment. It's all the different things that go with it. And so for me, when I began to understand where my genius lies, and when I began to understand the other um, framework I used was to actually put a dollar value to all the activities that I did. And I began to, and you know, this is a little bit old school, right? But some people haven't heard this. Some people haven't done this. But when I put a dollar value to all the different activities I did, the first thing I focused on doing was to start to outsource my low value activities. And, and I began to do this when, you know, good old Tim Ferriss came out with his four hour work week book. And I, I learned about this thing called virtual assistants. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go. And I hired someone for, you know, $5 an hour just to start taking over really small things. And the whole point was, is that I wanted to actually become more experienced at leveraging and outsourcing because before that it was all just based on me. So in a nutshell, the key for me to start this journey was understand where my highest and best use of my time and my brain and my brain space and my knowledge, my energy was to be that created the highest value activity. And then when I began to understand all the areas I spend my time on, I began to go, what are the two to three things that I begin to let go of right now? And then along the journey, I just consistently let go of more and more things because the more things I let go of, it allowed me to focus on the higher value of activities, which continue to kind of grow my ability to be able to leverage who I am and also my network and my experience while the rest of the trains were running on time. Yeah, it's it's so good, isn't it? Just that letting go. And I know that my coach, he talks at a, he, what did he call it? He said, success through subtraction. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, that's just brilliant, isn't it? And because again, there's a perception, it's like, oh, but you're quitting on something, but it's not. And it's interesting, as you said, each time you let go of something that's heavy, 
it's not just the time it took to do that. It's the energy that it was took. And if you can keep yourself in that, as you said, the zone of genius and and I know that from the great leap, wasn't it? You know, Gay Hendricks yeah. that talked about the, the, the zone of genius, but as you said, just the process of knowing yourself. And so I'm guessing from that process of getting completely burnt out and broken and then going on that exploration around learning and stuff, what were the things that you did personally to start to rebuild yourself back from that burnout? Mm. Yeah. Um, look, you know, to me, health was always the first part of it because without our health, then like we, we don't have anything right. A and to me, it was actually starting to be gentler on myself and to actually start to take some breaks and to learn the value of recovery and recuperation in what I do. And so it, it's a, a little bit can be feel a little bit counterintuitive to this whole hard work process that my leap forward was when I actually took a step back and rested because when I, rather than just push and push and push and push and push and where I was always busy for being safe, because there's a big difference between being busy and being productive. As soon as I took a step back and actually gave myself some space to think all of a sudden I had the opportunity to work a heck of a lot smarter than I, than I, it was just about working harder. And so the first thing I did was I took a step back and that taking, and I always read like people like Bill Gates and things like this, they, they always schedule in thinking time and Keith Cunningham, who was rich dad's, uh, who was Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad. He talks a lot about, um, having, uh, thinking time that he schedules every single day. And when I started doing this process, all of a sudden I had the opportunity to kind of rethink what I was doing and to set a new plan. And the more I got clear on the vision of what I wanted to create, and then um, I had the time to actually start building a strategy, you know, even the whole thing of working on the business. And, and one of my core philosophies is that everyone is running a business, whether it's your career is a business, whether you run a traditional business, whether you're in sales, you have a business, whether you're building your wealth, you have a business. And when we can actually start focusing on how we're going to spend some time working on the business rather than just in the business on a consistent basis, no matter what role you have, the more we have the opportunity to be able to create and craft what we want in the future and being very intentional what we're doing rather than being in a reactive process. Yeah. And this thing is like being in reaction is never going to be productive in the long term because it's like you're putting out fires, aren't you? Rather than yeah. actually planting seeds. That is like this visual, like you've got this field and if you're always looking, looking back and putting out all those fires, whereas you could be moving forward and planting the seeds and watering them and having everything grow and that's super helpful to, to have a look at that. And so you mentioned there, we were going back to sales. What did you find was probably the biggest learning you had when you, you started out with your current business and your approach to sales? What did it look like for you? Yeah. I mean, look, as you're starting the beginning of everything, and one thing I'll add to just before, you know, one of the biggest challenges I had was letting go of the identity I had, right? Mm -hmm. Because that identity was that, you know, I was a young guy, I was good at what I was doing and I was busy and I was always busy and, and I got a lot of appreciation, respect of how busy and how productive I was. And so I built an identity around that. And one of the biggest challenges was to actually start to let go of that identity so I can step into the new version of me who I, who I needed to be in the future, right? And so that was one of those big things. But when I first started out, and like were a lot of people, when you first start out in sales, and you don't have maybe, maybe the resources or the team around you to be able to kind of uh, apply those principles of leverage. And so this is true for 
whether you are coaching people in sales or whether you ha you're a sales manager or whether you're a salesperson, like this is all very, very true. The concepts are the same is that, um, what I found was that, uh, I could tend to be very scattered in my approach. Right. And so when we're talking about this reaction versus being intentional, when I started in the sales process, I was going, okay, well, I'm going to do a bit of prospecting over here. I'm going to meet some clients over here. I'm going to do some follow-up over here. And, and it was all just mixed in and tangled and all this type of stuff. But here's the big distinction is that each one of these things require a different energy system that you need to tap into to go into it, right? And so what I was finding is that I was being pulled from pillar to post, like in terms of my own energy, my own brain space, my own mode of thinking that I was in at the time. And I was getting distracted everywhere. And what they say is that for every, uh, every time you get a distraction, it takes you, I think it was like 13 or 14 minutes to get back into the same mindset or the same zone, um, yeah, which you were in before you actually got distracted. And so what I really began doing was I started to become an absolute fanatic at scheduling, right? And what I mean by that is that like, I would have my calendar in front of me and I would know what day I'm focusing on prospecting. So I just stay in that energy system the entire day. I know what day is admin. So I can just be in that energy system the entire day. So Wednesday would be my finance and admin day. Monday, Tuesday would be uh, prospecting client meetings days, right? Uh, Thursday, I would be getting into um, some more client stuff and then some follow-up in the afternoon. And then Friday was a big cleanup day for me. And so I would literally set up and structure my entire week around me to make sure I'm staying in the same energy system and focusing on the highest value activities that I need to focus on at that period of time, making sure that I'm ticking everything off, right? Rather than being pulled from pillar to post and changing energy systems and being in the states of chaos. And so whether someone is starting out in sales or whether, you know, coaching salespeople to be able to manage their own calendars and manage their time and manage their delivery and making sure they're, they're meeting their targets and things like that and providing that type of leadership. I think that leadership comes with teaching people to be personal leaders in their own life as well, right? And that's when we can kind of pass down some, some wisdom from some experience along the way when we're talking to kind of sales leaders. Do you still have a similar philosophy to like now as to how you manage your weeks? Absolutely. hundred percent. I do. Yeah. So for me, but, but what I do now was very much changed, you know? So as I said, one of the biggest things of journeys over the years was what I choose to let go of as letting it to create my, take my quantum leap forward. Right. And so letting go a lot of the day-to-day -day prospecting, day-to-day -day sales, let that go a number of years ago. I don't really do too much on the ground sales anymore, apart from like high-end clients, right? I focus more on putting deals together and structuring high-end relationships and things now. But my concepts remain the same, but what I've been very specific in doing is, is leading more time for thought, more time for strategy, more time for thinking. Right. And so but my philosophy around setting up my calendars is still exactly the same. I had very specific days for certain things, certain times of the day that work in with my energy systems. I'm more a morning person than a, than an afternoon and evening person. And so I'll set up and structure certain things to do in the morning than I will in the afternoon. And I'll have time factored in for catch up. And so I'm, I'm very specific in how I schedule my calendar. Otherwise things just go out of whack very quickly. Oh, for sure. And it's that if you don't fill in that time, you're not intentional with it, something else will fill it in. That's not what you intended. That's the big thing. There's, there's a vacuum there. It'll get, it'll get filled. 
And it's straightforward sales. It is for money. You know, I teach all of my clients and I find it always fascinating how all these conversations cross over together. I teach all of my clients that for every dollar that comes into your life, you have to have a plan and have a purpose because money loves order. Money loves structure. And if you don't create the environment to bring more money into your life, your money is going to leave this environment and go to someone who actually has all their stuff together around that. And so structure equals freedom. And it's the same for money as it is for sales, as it is for business success. When you can get yourself structured and disciplined in that way, that is actually the very thing which leads to freedom. Where a lot of people think discipline is restrictive. It's not. It's that, it's that element which is going to allow you to be able to grow beyond your own limitations. Yeah, I have to relate in that the first time I heard that structure and discipline equals freedom. It sounds counterintuitive, but when you think about it logically, the more that you have structure, you actually create more space. Mm. And that that's what I found so interesting. It's like when you do have your weekly planner and I print mine out and I've got my different colors that I, and I handwrite it. Like I have my Google calendar as well, yep. but I like to just have that one page that I can look at and I go, okay, the green's the you know, the sales and marketing and then this is here. It's super helpful to to have that. But as you said, a lot of that is just comes down to the the mindset of it. And as you said, if it's, the, it's money, it's sales, it's business or anything, so much of it just comes back to the way you think about it. And mm. so what have you found as far as your success in business and also helping your clients have success in their wealth creation journeys? What have you found have been the, the biggest mindset challenges that you found people having? Yeah, super fascinating. I've been talking a lot to a lot of people around this um, very recently. And, you know, as we've been talking about, the biggest shift that people need to make is in their ways of thinking. And this is where I find like mentors and things very valuable. And, and it's not even just the what to do's. I mean, they're very useful, but the biggest quantum leaps is the ways of thinking because that changes your entire framework and how you actually approach an idea or how you perceive something that's happened or how you experience different things in the world because you're filtering it through a different thinking system. And that to me is the, the, the highest value activity that can actually be created because as you filter through a different way of thinking um, and you've leveled up your way of thinking, you've also leveled up your overarching zero line and how you're playing the game of life, right? And as we can level up that zero line, it allows us to operate at some higher levels just because we've been able to shift that um, primary way of thinking in what we've been doing. And I found that to be the absolutely one of the most valuable shifts. Now that wasn't quite answering your question. Can you just ask that question again? Oh, it was just about the biggest mindset challenges that you see well, in business generally, but particularly yeah. in people that are, that are venturing out into, you know, particularly their first venture into looking at investing and that wealth creation journey. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, a part of that is number one is letting go of all the way that they've been doing things. Right. People uh, like to run, operate a lot of their life on autopilot. You know, I read once that up to 40% of our life is made up of unconscious habits. And so that we turn up on autopilot. Like we've all had the experience before where we're going to a place of work or going to somewhere we go all the time and we get in the car and we've got things in our mind and we've got a coffee in our hand and we, you know, might be on the phone and things like that. And, and then you're just distracted and all of a sudden you turn up at work or whatever it is and you go, how the bloody hell did I get there? And you just switch into this autopilot mode and you just, you've been checking, you don't know how you've been doing, you've been changing gears, you've been checking areas, making sure you're not crashing. And you arrive somewhere in a completely on autopilot where your brain was somewhere else. Now, that can be very valuable when it's on autopilot in the right things and you're intentional around what you're doing. But if you're not being intentional and you're just living a life just because in the same ways that you've always been living that life just because that's how you've always done it, 
or that's how you've always been taught to done it, to do it. That's good English. To done it, do it, do it. Then you, you wind up just repeating the same patterns and our life is made up of habits. That's all it is. You know, credit success in any venture in life is not about one big, crazy, outrageous leap. It's about the small, seemingly instinctive things that we stack up and stack up and stack up. And so they avalanche into this thing called wealth and success, whatever industry that we're talking about. So when we're talking about the ways of thinking, one of the biggest things is always being going, am I willing to let go of the ways that I've always been doing things to create a pathway for the new me and the new version of myself and the level of results I want to be able to create? And it can be really difficult because we're often trained and programmed from a very young age to do certain things, behave certain ways and show up in a certain identity system. And, you know, Tony Robbins always said is that we do whatever we can to stay consistent with who we believe we are. And so what we've got to start doing is adjusting that identity of who we believe we are, what we believe we're capable of, and how we should actually be showing up in the world. Because if you don't go and change that identity, if you want to create a brand new level of results in the external world, you've got to go, who do I need to come in the process to be able to create this new level of result that can live this quality of life? And so it's actually a letting go process. We've been talking about that a lot already in this session. It's what we choose to let go of is going to make way for what we can actually bring into our life. Yeah. And I love that you said there about it's the process of who they you know, are wanting to become or needing to become. And I think that's one of the things that I've observed that seems to be one of the most powerful parts of achieving success in right. any area of life right. is the person that you become in the process. Right. And so I can imagine that you've seen probably some amazing evolutions in when someone has first met you and come into your world oh, and then fun. when they've been in the world of Todd for a while and then start to have those successes. What's that like as a, you know, as a leader, as a mentor, as a coach, what's that process like for you and what do you enjoy most about that? Great question. You know, I tell all my clients that you'll never out earn yourself, right? And so, um, which is back to what you're just saying there and whether that's in is the sales leadership, like you, the great salespeople, they, they will never out earn themselves for them to be able to grow their revenue. They've got to grow themselves first. Right. And that's, you know, what comes first is it million dollars in a bank account or is it becoming a millionaire as a person? Right. And it's always about becoming that person, that quality of person that can create that in the first place. Right. And this is why we see lotto winners. They never hold on to their money. They might win millions of dollars within three to five years. Their external resources, meaning the amount of money they have, how to reverse back to what's going on in their internal environment. And so we're never going to out earn ourselves. And, you know, it, it's phenomenal being in this space where you have the privilege to be able to impact people on a, on a different type of level. You know, interesting, I, I almost gave up. Let me, let me rephrase it. Probably about five, six years ago now, I was almost never going to talk about money and wealth ever again, right? And because what I began to understand at that point in time was that, you know, what, what really drives me is not seeing people make a bit of money. That's not what it is, right? It never has been. It's who they become in the process. And it, because when we actually start to um, move our heads above the financial waterline, because what we find is a lot of people are treading water financially in their life and they're just keeping their head above water and they're, sometimes they duck under and they dip up again. And, um, and they live their life at that financial waterline, treading water and never able to actually look above it and put their feet firmly on the ground to see what's over and be above and beyond that. And so what I was really curious around was psychology. What I was really um, curious around 
is, um, you know, helping people in their own personal transformation. But what I learned along the way was that if I can meet people where they're at, think they, what they want is to solve some financial problems, right? And, and money is important. Anyone that says money is not important is an idiot, pure and simple, right? Money is important, right? And saying it's not, then you, you're saying, well, okay, scarcity is, is, I'm more connected to scarcity and what I can do is scarcity. But when we have financial resources, we get time back. We get choices back. We get our brain space back, which is one of the most valuable things that we have. So one of the greatest things that I absolutely, absolutely adore is when we can handle that financial waterline and all of a sudden people can put their feet on the ground and really stand up above it. Their level of thinking and their openness just expands at this rate of not, where it was just in this blinkered version of just exchange time for money, work and pay your home off and put money in the super and all, or 401k or whatever it is. And they had a very blinkered version of life because they were so caught up trying to just work to pay the bills. But as soon as they can put those feet on the ground, create this ultra strong foundation, they then have the opportunity to be able to see beyond. And you could see in the level of conversation and the level of thinking that actually came out of their mouths at that point in time, you know, it was more like that blue sky thinking began to occur. And that's like when people tap into the possibilities of who they actually are, that's pretty incredibly able to witness and be a part of. My gosh, what a gift to be able to be part of that. And so I'm glad that you didn't give it away because again, it's one of those things, isn't it? As far as talking about that, but there's so many hangups that people have about money and success and, and then even just actively going after something bigger than where they're, where they're at. But I can imagine once, once those people get themselves, as you said, above that waterline, I can imagine that their level of success and results will just hockey stick right. impact once they get to that point. Right. And, and in every area of life. Because it's not like wealth is not just based on money. It's based on your confidence. It's based on energy. It's based on relationships, it's based on time. It's based on all these things. So truly living a wealthy life, money is just a tool. That's all it is. It's just a tool. And the more that we have of it, the more choices we have to be able to kind of do, do some other things in life. But unfortunately, most people's experience of life is limited by how much money they earn. And I think that's just sad. I think freedom is at front. And we have to take it back. And, but we're not given a solid grounding when it comes to wealth and success in life. We're taught to be good boys and girls to do what they're told and pay their taxes and become a functioning cog in a real society, right? And um, I, won't, I can start ranting about that. I'm going to be careful not to. But um, as soon as we can actually start thinking in that different type of way, it just opens up the possibilities of what's, what, what, what are we really here to do and who are we really here to be and what is life really all about and how can we actually tap into that at a deeper level? And for people in sales or sales leadership, when you can get your people connected to that bigger vision of themselves and understand how you can use what they've got, the tool of sales, which is probably one of the most powerful careers that anyone could possibly be in. People often ask me, you know, if you would go back to ground zero and start all over again, what, and you had like a thousand dollars to start with, what would you tell people to do? I, I, I literally would tell people to put a hundred dollars as a bit of a buffer aside and go buy a sales course and learn how to sell, right? Because that is one of the greatest sources of leverage and where the earning potential could be absolutely uncapped. And so when people can kind of um, connect their bigger vision with what they're doing and how they can connect those two things to get there, all of a sudden, it's not just about making up a dollar, it's about creating a life for, for them and their family that's far beyond what they ever thought was possible. 
It's awesome. And then obviously like where they're connecting, where they are in the big picture. Like, mm. Obviously it's not a linear line that once you've got that, once you know what that is, that you don't just wake up magically one day and it's all just appeared. No, no. Yeah, roller the, coaster, yeah. No puppy, puppies and unicorns and rainbows and all that type of stuff. <laughs> it's the Instagram filter world, you know, those type of things. It's just not, it's not real. So obviously like, it's not just going to be, oh my gosh, this is going to happen overnight. There's going to be challenges along the way. There always are. And then, and, and I think with wealth, with sales, with any of this sort of stuff, when people start to hit some of those setbacks or those rejections or those disappointments, a lot of people will just call time and, and walk away from oh, it. True. So in your experience, the, the people that do succeed in that, obviously resilience is a part of it. So how, how have you seen the people that have been the most resilient? What have you noticed that they've done differently to the ones that have walked away in order to keep them on track when all those setbacks do come? Yeah, it's it's a really, really good question. And especially in the wealth field, let's start on that and expand. But when it comes to money, you know, here's what, how do I put this? Um, it drives me a little bit crazy, you know? And what I mean by that is that people spend 10 years, 20 years, 30 years of their life getting themselves into a certain financial situation. And then they expect to go and change overnight, right? <laughs> Wealth building success in anything is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it's how people approach it to begin with dictates their success. It's not the amount of money or financial resources that someone has to begin with, which dictates someone's success. It's not someone's education, which dictates this. It's not born in the right family, which does this or the right. It's none of that. What it has everything to do with is someone's desire and commitment to actually go and transform their life and change their life in whatever way, shape, or form. And that, to me, is the biggest differentiator between those who build wealth or create success in any area of life versus those that don't. Because when you're approaching things like, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it a crack and we'll just hope for the best, but if it doesn't work out, I'll just go back to this. Then as soon as there's a challenge, you back away. There's a challenge, you back away. There's a challenge, you back away. You go back to what you thought was a relative comfort of just doing the same thing you've been doing all the time. Because even though it's uncomfortable, it's comfortably uncomfortable and people stay consistent with where they, with their, they're comfortable as opposed to their results. They get more addicted to their excuses and their comfort zones than the outcome and the desire of the change that they want to be able to create along the way. Right. And so. The people that really approach it the right way, they don't approach it about going, let's go out and do big, crazy things. They approach it about going, okay, well, what's one thing that I can go and implement right now? Great. Let's implement that. And then what's the next thing I can go and implement? I tell all my students, learn one thing, do one thing. And it's the same with everything in life. Learning is great, but it's not the pathway to results. It's strategic learning with massive implementation where everything is going to be, is going to absolutely transform in a big way. And the desire and the commitment to stay the path, no matter what happens, no matter what comes their way, it all comes down to personal responsibility. Those people who are willing to step up to the plate and go, do you know what? No matter what's happened in the past, I am here. I am present. I'm taking responsibility for my life, where I am, and very importantly, what I'm going to do next. And then decide that no matter what comes their way in the future, that same personal responsibility, that trait shows up every single thing that they do because then they're not subject to all the other external forces that are going on. They're in control of their own decision-making and they're in a space of true commitment and devotion to the outcome that they want to create, not just to be, until it becomes uncomfortable because you're so right. There's going to be lumps and bumps along the way and anyone that tells you it's going to be rainbows and unicorns is a liar. I love that you've gone down the personal responsibility 
path because that's just one of my favorites. It's one of the things that people, I think as time's gone on, personal responsibility has become more scarce. Mm. There's just this Tell me more about that. Where do you see that? I'm really curious. Yeah, particularly in the in the younger generation. Yep. Is is there's definitely an element of entitlement and there's an element of, you know, that everything is just gonna come to me. I've got to I do do something once and then I've got the results. And I'm hearing it a lot from my clients that have got young people in the workplace. It's like they do something once, then they want career progression. <laughs> Been there five minutes, so they want a pay rise and they want to lead the team. Yeah. So there's that. And I think that's been bred. Like all of this sort of stuff comes from not being uncomfortable at any point in your life. It's yeah. been given, you're handed everything. You're micro, like your life's micromanaged. You're told you're amazing. You can do anything. You're protected. You know, you don't even have the resourcefulness to handle boredom. So yeah. it's one of those things. And then it's like, and then it's always everyone else's fault. So it's always out there, out there, out there, point the finger. And the number one thing is, is like the government's going to fix it or the school's going to fix it. You know, those type of things. And again, no one's coming to save you. Responsibility is actually my, my first principle of resilience in my book. So it's one of the resilience rocks. So I'm, I'm very excited that you took it down that path, but it is at every step of the way, it's stepping up and going, no one's coming to save me. I need to take ownership of this. Even if you're in a situation where there were external factors at play. Take ownership for what comes next. Yeah. It's good to see that that distinction, so as you said, that commitment, that desire, that commitment, knowing that big picture, but then taking ownership every step of the way. Like it's definitely a, a good model for success, but it's not, it's simple, but it's not easy, is it? I, I, that's, it's such a good distinction, right? It's simple, but it's not easy. And do you know what? Like I'm finding that, so I'm, I love looking at trends and behavior and things like that. What's going on? I, I find it curious. And um, I'm looking on and along the, everything that's been going on in the world in the last 20 years. And I look at the global financial crisis and how that destroyed people's financial lives in a big way. People lost jobs, people lost business, people lost homes in a lot of big ways, right? And it was created by a whole lot of factors which are external to people's individual control, right? And so, um, and then we come in more recent times, we look at things like COVID and we go, okay, people lost businesses, they lost, you know, health, they lost this and they lost this. And there's a whole lot of stuff that happened. You know, people locked down, their freedoms were taken away, like their financial lives, a lot of people had them absolutely destroyed. And then I look at things that are coming and I look at AI, um, artificial intelligence coming, how that's going to disrupt the working field. And some people are sitting there going, oh, I don't like it. I don't want to be a part of it. And they're staying away from it. And, um, and they're going to be upset when AI comes and actually rips out their jobs from um, underneath them because it's happening. It's happening in front of our face right now. And we've got central bank digital currencies coming. And we, there's so many things which are occurring at the moment, which is going to impact people in the next 10 years, potentially more than anything else. And those that are sitting there thinking that the government's going to come save them or their boss is going to come save them or their parents are going to come save them or this is going to come save them, I think they're going to get steamrolled, right? Anyone who's, if you've got some awareness and you're looking around at what's happening at this point in time, the need, the need to actually be able to take that self-responsibility and start setting yourself up that you are more sovereign in the things that you do and you have more control over all the different aspects of your life, including your income streams, including your career, including your way of thinking, including what you allow to kind of go into your, you know, into your body and into your mind and things like that. 
the people who are, are going to win in this next period of time are looking around and noticing what's going on and going, how do I respond to this? And not sitting in a space of reaction, but being in a space of responsibility that all these things are happening in our world right now. What does that mean to me? And how am I going to set up that I can win in this space that's coming rather than sitting there in victim mode and going, well, with me, this happened or that happened, or this might be coming or things like that. Because um, I, no one's coming to save you. Like you've got to take responsibility for your own world. It is. And, and also what I'm seeing particularly, and you would see it as well a lot in the, you know, 20s and probably early 30s, yeah. it's like, oh, again, the system's all stacked against me. I'm never going to be able to afford to buy a house and it's all everybody else's fault. So, and, yeah. I, and I think I agree with you. I think they're the same people that when AI comes, they're the ones that are on TikTok going, oh, you know, bare minimum Mondays and lazy girl jobs and all this sort of stuff. And then they're going to be the first people to go, oh my gosh, this has all been done to me and it's so unfair. So I just think, yeah, I think there's that, I have to make that into a bit of a TED talk, your last rant there. I think it's very timely. <laughs> Very my, timely. Um, my team have created a Todd's rant reel of all the, when I get ranting on this stuff, I go a little bit harder. They thought it was hilarious to do that. But, but honestly, I think at some level, people need a bit of a, a cup of concrete to harden up a little bit. And, and let's not be so precious. Let's go, you know, there's the stuff that happens in the world, right? It's not all rainbows and unicorns. That way of thinking is really dangerous, right? Um, it's not to put a damper or anything or say things are terrible, the level of opportunity that everyone has right now is absolutely extraordinary. There's no doubt about that. But we've got to be approaching them the right way, right? And that's going to make the biggest difference to how people are going to end up in their life in the next kind of five to 10 years. So I think it's going to change dramatically. Yeah. And I think, look, a lot of people need a reality check. That's, yeah. that's the thing. And you know, again, this part of sharing this stuff, part of what I do, it's just to show that, you know, we're all bigger, more powerful and more capable than our circumstances we're in, no matter how difficult they are at any given time. There's always something that you can do, even if it's changing your thinking. As you said, we've got control over that. Stop worrying about what's happening everywhere else and start focus on the controllables, isn't it? Yeah. And being able to teach that personal responsibility to the individual. We, we go back to sales and sales leadership, right? One of my business partners has a, has a big team and there's about a 30 to 40 person sales team associated to it, right? And everything that you've been saying about um, younger generations and the challenges that are coming with that is very, very present, right? And so what, what they've been exceptional at is, you know, starting teaching personal responsibility and some personal leadership, right? And I think um, that when you're in any type of position, wherever sales management or whatever it is, what we have to understand is that at that point in time, it's not about so much about teaching tactics. It's about teaching leadership. And because when we can actually teach leadership, um, all of a sudden that uh, leverage expands because people start to take that personal and that self-leadership as a part of their own key philosophy. And as a leader, as I said, it's about changing the way, shifting how people actually think about things. So one of the most powerful things that we can do in leader or leadership position is to help to pass down some really empowering philosophies to people that can actually change their framework of how they actually perceive and how they think and how they approach certain aspects of life. Yeah, I think that's a, a definite takeaway. And I think there's too much time spent on tactics and not enough time spent on those things that, because the thing is, like all the tactics in the world are not going to have the impact they want them to have if you don't have all of that other stuff in place. Right. And also 
working on that on a consistent basis because, you know, these things aren't, oh my gosh, I went to a talk once and all of a sudden I've got this magical power for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have the same thing. People go, oh, but you're the resilient one. I'm like, I work at this every single day. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's exactly that right. thing. And it's like, and I'm sure it's the same for you. There are, these are these things that we do work on on a consistent basis. And hopefully then we can relay that as well to our listeners about finding those things that they do on a consistent basis that breeds that personal responsibility, that personal self-leadership, having that vision, working with the people, getting the mentors and getting in the right communities and doing things like that so that they can take complete control of, of their own destiny rather than by choice, not by chance. And I think that a lot of what you've shared is really sums that up and said whether we are talking to the, the sales teams or whether we're talking to people looking to build their wealth or we're mm. looking at people that, you know, particularly, I really hope that we get some young people listen to this and they hear some yeah. of the things we've talked about and gone, okay. You know, and reality is they don't have to do a lot more than their peers to stand out. So if they did right. that little bit more and then compounded it over time, like the rest of the stuff, like they're not going to get AI'd out of life. So I think there's a lot of, lot of value in this. I've got a great, and you know, one of my young fellas on my team, he's not, about 20 years old now. And he's one of the outliers compared to that young generation. He's the one that sits there and he stands out, but he stands out because of his way of thinking, you know, he's thirsty, he's humble, he's taking responsibility for where he is and what he's doing. And, and at 19 right now, he's making his first investments at this point in time. He's learning like anything around whether it be wealth creation, whether it be sales, whether it be ways of thinking. And, and so there's this concord of young people who are coming through the mix who they really do have the world at their fingertips, right? Available and open for them because of their, their philosophy of how they're actually approaching life. And those that come in with that framework, oh my goodness, like the next 10 years for them will be some of the most powerful, beautiful, special, incredible opportunities that are going to come their way. And so I, I, I'm also hardened to see that, uh, I know we can, we can, bash some young generations of ties for certain reasons, but I'm hardened to see that there's some outliers that are there and they're really like grabbing life by the scruff of its neck and actually going for it. Right. And that's, I'm, I'm pretty sure that one of the young fellows on the team is definitely a part of that. And it's really cool to be able to see. It is. And I'm excited when I see people like that as well. Yeah. And it's also, they're the ones who will also seek out mentorship and do that type of stuff as well, which is awesome. This has been such a great conversation. I love that we had no idea where it was going to go. It's been too awesome. I always trust that it's always going to go where it needs to go. And I, I really feel that it did that today. And, um, and we talked about, obviously we talked about the resilience rocks. And so there's the resilience rocks and those foundational pieces. And of course it rocks because, you know, it helps you do other things. Great. Yeah. There's one more little twist on that is that I have a playlist on Spotify called resilience rocks because music is one of the rituals and one of the resilience rocks. Why? So I'd love to know when you are trying to get your energy up, you need to mm. get out of a slump, you're doing all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. What's your go-to song that you would put on to shift that energy for you? What a great question. Okay. Um, this, this may be a little bit different than what a lot of people think. And so like, to me, it's, it, it was, it's a song which has been anchored in at a, certain experiences in, in times of my life. And it was actually funnily, Xavier Rudd, Spirit Bird song is what it actually was. And so yeah. that song, because I, 
at certain experiences of my life, I was listening to that on a regular basis and, and it's anchor. And so you understand what I mean when I anchor. So yeah. it, it, as soon as I, that song starts, it takes me back to a, a moment in my life of peace, of tranquility, of empowerment, of, of balance. And so to me, it's not about getting, oh, let's get the motivational song. Because motivation is temporary, right? Inspiration mm-hmm. is forever, right? And so to me, it was never about, oh, let's get some pump-up music going and all that type of stuff. Okay, great. But to me, when I can actually, and I'm, I'm big on manufacturing an ecosystem around you to support who you want to be. And so to me, having that, that song there as a strong anchor for me, where I go back into this space of balance, where I, I, I'm at an energetic level rising above any problems I might be experiencing at that point in time, it puts me in a, in a mode where I can actually be in a problem solving mode where I'm focusing on opportunity, where I'm focusing on things bigger than, than what I believe is going on right now. And um, uh, because I've anchored in so strongly, it puts me in a completely different state in my mind. That, that would probably a little bit more surprising than what you might hear from other, others in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And again, as you said, it's not about necessarily getting up. No. It's whatever it is to me. It's about it's it's how music can change your state, and that's mm. exactly what you're describing there. So, I will stick that onto the playlist um, <laughs> in your honor. Yeah, I just I really love that you've shared that as well. So again, another good lesson for people to find that music that can get you into the state that you want to be in, whether it's up, whether it's chilled, whether it's just centered and bringing you back, as you said, to an anchor at a moment in time where you were there. And um, that's awesome. So I really appreciate you sharing that and your experience of that song and what it means to you. So that's amazing. If our, any of our listeners would love to connect with you, find out a bit more about what you do, continue the conversation on some of the things we've spoken about today, where is the best place for people to do that? Yeah. So, so two key places, certainly find me on all social medias, just search Todd Polkey, P-O-L-K-E, the surname is pronounced. But I also run a free Facebook community called the Wealth Dojo. And it's a group is a number of thousands of different investors in there who are all learning how to take their financial lives and learn how to invest and take, uh, create financial freedom. It's absolutely free. It's a great community. People are in there kind of asking questions. People are answering. There's different people at different levels of investors in there, but I share a lot of free resources and trainings in there. So I would love to invite anyone that wants to come into that. We'd love to have you part of the community and the team in there. Amazing. Well, I will pop all of those links wherever you are listening or watching this podcast. And I definitely encourage to reach out to Todd. I know I've learned a lot in this. I found it an incredible conversation and I'm sure there's going to be a lot that people take from it. So thank you again for joining us today on Resilient Talks. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us again this week on Resilience Rock Sales. Don't just listen though, take action. The best sales professionals are always learning. Head over to resiliencerocks.com now to go backstage and get the resources mentioned today to help rock your sales goals.